Beautiful job. That is Carissa Padilla, and she is 17 years old, involved in our student ministry, and accompanied by Carly Johnson. Beautiful job this morning. In fact, it's a big day for Carissa. She sang at our 10 o'clock service also, and then she will be baptized at the end of this service. She'll be baptized uh, in her faith as she walks with the Lord, so following in the obedience of baptism. So thank you, Carissa. Beautiful job this morning. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verses 21 to 27 in the NLT, the New Living Translation this morning. Romans 1, 21 to 27. We're going through a sermon series entitled, Asking for a Friend, Answering Questions Maybe You've Wondered But You Did Not Want to Ask, Especially in Church, Maybe Questions You Did Not Want to Ask Here But You've Always Wondered About. This is week number seven of our eight-week series. We will end next Sunday morning. Um, if you want to hear any of the previous sermons, all of them are on our podcast. It's entitled Authentic, and you can find that uh, several places. You'll see in the worship guide there, Google Music and Spotify and iTunes, different ones like that. You can hear the previous sermons. This morning we're answering the question, is homosexuality a sin? Is homosexuality a sin? Does God hate homosexuals? Now, this obviously is a very controversial topic today, very controversial subject, but I believe that you need to hear what Scripture teaches about the topic, what your Creator, your designer, the one who knows you better than anyone else, what He has said. You consistently hear what others have said, what society says. We hear that all the time. I feel that you should address, or we should address, the subject from the biblical viewpoint. As your pastor, I feel like that we need to do that. Uh, as your pastor, I love you. It's a, it's a joy to serve here with you. And uh, you've heard me preach for 14 and a half years. I think that you, you must always hear the truth. I'm committed to telling you the truth and always will be. Just to be honest, it would be much easier this morning to preach on God's love and then we all go eat. That'd be wonderful. Sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you, you must address the tough issues and talk about those, and that's what we're going to do this morning. I want us to turn to the most definitive New Testament passage on the subject of homosexuality. The most definitive New Testament passage, Romans 1, 18 to 32. I'm only going to read verses 21 to 27. Read with me. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, everlasting God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result... They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Now, this morning, let's begin by letter A on your outline. I think it's important to get a perspective. Let's look at a, an overall perspective, letter A. The message this morning and our approach this morning is not going to be from a political viewpoint. This is not a Democrat versus Republican debate. This is not a liberal versus conservative debate. I could not care less about either one. This is not a qualification for president debate or a leader debate. If you're wanting that, sorry, not what this is. I believe one phrase needs to be said as we begin the discussion. No hatred, no fear, no intolerance. Friends, I don't hate anybody. I may disagree with your view. I don't hate you. I'm not afraid of homosexuals. There's no fear there, nothing homophobic. There's no intolerance. We've, We've gotten to the place in our culture where if you disagree with a viewpoint, you hate them. No, you can discuss a topic. You can discuss a topic in a non hateful way and not hate the person. I I don't hate anyone. I'm not afraid of homosexuals. I'm not intolerant of them. And as I said, we, we live in a culture that if you, or if you disagree, then you're afraid of me or, or you're bigoted or you're intolerant. And you can disagree with someone's point of view and not hate them and not fear them. In fact, many people have disagreed with my views through the years. They don't hate me. I understand that. So, this morning, it's not going to be a rant, it's not going to be bashing, it's not going to be angry or hate-filled. We're going to have an honest look at at the topic this morning in a non-hateful way. No hatred, no fear, no intolerance. Does God hate homosexuals? No. No. God loves all people, wants everybody to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I know that there are some people that say God hates homosexuals. He does not. He loves you. He loves everyone and desires everyone come to faith in Christ. Is homosexuality a sin? Yes. There is no way you can read the Bible and and come away with any different opinion. There's no way you can read it, do the word studies, 
do the hermeneutical study and come up with any other interpretation other than the fact, yes, homosexuality is a sin. Absolutely it is. Now, there are attempts, and I'm going to talk about those as I go along a little bit. There are attempts today to try on some key passages to try to interpret them differently. To try to interpret them as child abuse rather than homosexuality as we know it. There are some key passages that homosexuals and and, and other key leaders say that's talking about child abuse God is condemning. When, to be honest, the hermeneutic and the grammar and the wording and the syntax, they do not back that up. So many times, people have already made up their mind on a topic, and they go to the Bible to try to validate their beliefs. What we should do is go to the Bible with an open mind on every issue, And say, God, what do you believe about that? What have you said about that? Lord, I'm going to form my opinion on what I believe based on what you've told us. Because you know best. You'll always lead us into truth. But what happens, so many people, they already form their opinion, and then they go to the Bible to try to validate what they already believe. And you can make the Bible say anything you want that way. And on the topic of homosexuality, it appears that many have done that because the passages do not mean what many of them claim they mean. So, let's look first of all at God's own words about homosexuality. Letter B on your outline, God's own words about the topic. I believe it is important to look at God's words because really those are the only words that the bottom line that really matter. You don't need to hear what I think this morning. And really, we don't need to hear what you think. We need to hear what our Creator says. The one who designed you, the one who who, who made you, the one who knows you and your body and your makeup more than anybody else. He knows you better than anyone else. That's who we need to hear from. So, not what a Baptist preacher thinks. What does your creator think? Let's look at some key passages. Three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament, we'll look at briefly. First of all, the Old Testament, there are three, three passages, and you'll see them listed here. First of all, Genesis 19, 1 through 11, that's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those are two cities that God destroyed for immorality. Yet, in the passage, the only immoral action mentioned was homosexuality. None other action was mentioned. So we must draw the conclusion that he destroyed the cities because of homosexuality. It's the only immoral immoral action that's mentioned. The men were struck blind. They wanted to have sexual relations with other men. God struck them with blindness first, but even in their blindness, they went about still trying to have sexual relations, and so God destroyed both cities. Now, homosexuals and other key uh, leaders will say, well, Genesis 19, 1 through 11, 
God was punishing them for being inhospitable. The guests had come to town, and they treated them rudely, and what angered God and what caused God to destroy the cities was not homosexuality. It was they were rude hosts. But the, the, the hermeneutic does not back up that interpretation. Second passage, Leviticus 18, 22. This is a part of the law. God gave laws to his people as to how they were to act. And so, in a listing of the laws, God listed, here are normal sexual relations you can have, and here are sexual activities that are immoral and that are wrong. Here are the normal ones. Here are the ones that God has condemned. And as a part of the list of the ones God has condemned, homosexuality is listed as one of them. It's not the only one. For example, heterosexuals are not to have sex outside of marriage. That's a sin as well. But homosexuality was listed as one of the sins that God said is, is a way not to be a part of normal sexual activity. He said it was detestable. Now look at the third one, Judges 19.22. You may not be as familiar with this one, but there was a town called Gibeah. And what happened at Gibeah was similar to what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. The men of the community started becoming enraged because they wanted to have sexual relations with other men. And whenever they were denied, they became angry and God denounced their actions as wrong. As a result, their actions led to the first civil war in Israel and almost led to the extinction of the tribe of Benjamin. Now let's go to the New Testament. Three passages. First of all, the Romans 1, 21 to 27 passage. That was our, our text. I'll give a further description of that in just a moment. But in this passage, it's the most clear New Testament teaching on God's views of homosexuality. Now, some people have argued, homosexuals argue, that this Romans 1 passage, that was condemning heterosexuals who had homosexual activity. That, they say that's how they interpret Romans 1. These are heterosexuals, they say, who were engaged in homosexual activity because they were not being true to themselves. And that's what God condemned. But again, the problem with that is, as you do the study and the, and the hermeneutic, it, it does not hold up to that interpretation. More about this passage in a moment. Second passage, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, there is a listing. Paul, as he's writing to the church of Corinth, who allowed anything, allowing anything to go in the, in the city of Corinth, listed a catalog of sins that said God's people should not be a part of. One of them was homosexuality, and he called it a sin. He said God's people should not be a part of it. Now, homosexuals interpret the 1 Corinthians 6, 9, they interpret this to mean child prostitution. So they say it's not homosexuality as we know it, it's, it's God is condemning child prostitution. But if you look at the wording that's used, again, 
the interpretation or the hermeneutic does not hold up to that. Go to the next one, 1 Timothy 1.10. Paul's writing a letter to a young pastor at Ephesus named Timothy, and he clearly lists homosexuality as against God's law. Against God's law. So, in general, looking at the Bible, there is no passage to which you can point and say, God believes homosexuality is okay. There's not one. As a part of the research for, for the message this morning, I was, I was listening this week to other pastors, and, and one pastor said, God believes homosexuality is okay. There's not one passage you can point to that, that even hints that homosexuality is okay and that it's not a sinful action. The Bible repeatedly calls it sin. Now, remember week three of our, of our series, Asking for a Friend, we looked at how do you know the Bible's true? But a lot of people today, on the point of homosexuality, well, the Bible's not valid on that point. Well, I, I don't have the authority to look at the Bible and say, well, this is for today and this isn't. And that's for today and this isn't. I don't have that authority, and you don't either. We have to take what's said, and whether we agree with it or not, we have to hear it as a word from God. So I can't just dismiss God's word as saying it's not valid on the topic. Now go to letter C on your outline, the terms God used. Romans 1, 18 to 28. I want you to listen at the words God used to describe homosexual activity. These are key because these are the words of your Creator. Not my words. These are the words of your Maker, your Designer, uh, that He has for homosexual activity. So, so listen to what He said. Verse 18, quote, Homosexuality is, uh, homosexual activity is unrighteous, suppressing the truth, verse 18, futile thinking, verse 21, having a foolish, darkened heart, verse 21. Homosexual activity is unclean, verse 24. It is heart lust, verse 24. It is dishonoring to your body, verse 24. It is serving the creation rather than the creator, verse 25. It is a vile passion, verse 26. It is unnatural, verse 26. It is shameful, verse 27, and it is depraved, verse 28. Those are some harsh words. Those are not the words of a flaming fundamentalist. Those are not the words of a Baptist preacher. 
Those are not my words. Those are your Creator's words. Your Maker. Your Designer. He said that. Now, if I were to say that, it would be hate speech. He said that. What if tomorrow a political leader uh, held a press conference and the press asked, what are your views on homosexuality? And what if they said, I believe they're unrighteous, unclean, vile, unnatural, shameful, and depraved? That'd be something, wouldn't it? They would be vilified. But your Creator used some pretty harsh terms. Go to letter uh, D on your outline, questions to consider. Six questions, then we'll close. Question number one. Did Jesus mention homosexuality? Did Jesus mention homosexuality? One of the, um, one, one of the, the points that, that homosexuals make when you visit, I visited with, with, with several, and one of the points they make is Jesus never talked about it. So therefore, since Jesus never mentioned it in the Gospels, either he's neutral on the subject or it's not important to him. Not important enough to talk about because he never mentioned it. And that point is made over and over and again by by homosexuals about Jesus not saying anything about it couple of thoughts. One, all of the Bible is the Word of Jesus, not just what's written in red. What's written in red, what he said on this earth, but the entire Bible is the Word of Jesus and the Word of God, and it's the, the Holy Spirit, all three, the, the Godhead, the Trinity, It's their word, so we can't just say, well, it's not in red, so it doesn't count. Because he never contradicted the rest of Scripture. A second thought, Jesus did talk about it. He did mention it. Matthew 19, verses 3 through 6. Jesus affirmed the biblical definition of marriage as between one man and one woman. Jesus was teaching, and he said, As you've heard, going back to Genesis, As you've heard, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And he talked about how the the husband and the wife being one flesh completed God's image on the earth. No other relationship you have on this earth is called one flesh. You have the relationship you have with your kids, that's never called one flesh. Only a husband and a wife. And Jesus affirmed the Genesis definition in Matthew 19. Of course he talked about it. 
the way our bodies is designed shows you from our designer what fits. A part of, a part of, of, of sex is procreation. Two men cannot procreate. Two women cannot procreate. Jesus upheld the biblical definition as he spoke. Question number two, is homosexuality simply an alternative lifestyle? Is homosexuality simply an alternative lifestyle? We hear today that, that it is. We hear today that homosexuality is simply an alternative and, and that that's a person's own choice. It doesn't make them moral. It doesn't make them immoral. It, it, that's just their choice. And so we hear in society today that we have advanced beyond, progressed beyond biblical thinking. The Bible is archaic, we hear and we've advanced as a society beyond that, moved beyond outdated biblical thinking. So therefore, it's simply an alternative, and it's a viable alternative. It doesn't make you good or bad. It's just, it's an alternative. Is that accurate? There are a lot of attempts today to normalize homosexuality. You see it in movies and sitcoms and the media and television and Netflix series. You see it all the time, attempts to normalize homosexual behavior. But folks, you, you can't just dismiss the words of your Creator and say, oh, we've moved beyond it. You, you can't just do that. I, I mean, you can't just say, oh, okay, we've, we've progressed, advanced beyond what our Creator said, and we have an alternative, and it's okay. You can't just dismiss his words. Imagine with me something. Imagine with me, we, we did with another of God's Old Testament commands what we're doing with homosexuality as a culture. Let's do that with another one. Let's do that with, uh, with stealing. God said, thou shalt not steal. And let's just imagine as a culture that we said, you know, that, that command's a little outdated. That's really not for us. We, we've progressed as a culture way beyond that command. That's archaic. And so what if a majority of, of our culture voted that, that you cannot stop somebody from stealing from you? because you're taking away their right to steal. And, and let's just imagine that they pass laws. You cannot lock doors. You cannot lock your home. You cannot lock your vehicle while you're here. You have to leave your vehicle unlocked with the keys in it. And if you don't, you can be arrested, because that's what we voted on as a culture. The majority believe that. Because people who are born thieves, you're discriminating against them. And you're taking away their right to an alternative lifestyle because they're thieves. And if you say anything about it, you're called names. You're called a kleptophobe because you're against stealing. 
and you're called names, and you're vilified, and if, if, I, if I steal from you, I'm not the one with the problem, you're the one with the problem. And let's say all of our culture agrees to that. Then all of a sudden, does that make stealing okay in the eyes of God? No. But yet that's what's happened with our culture in simply saying it's, it's an alternative. But you can't just dismiss the words of your Creator. Question number three. Is a person born a homosexual? Is a person born a homosexual? That is the hot question. Our society says yes, they are. And so you have to be true to who you are. In fact, a national leader this past week says, if you have a problem with my sexual behavior, you need to talk to my creator, not me. Because he made me that way. Did he? A couple thoughts. There's nothing in any passage in the Bible that indicates a person is born homosexual. There's nothing that indicates that. Not any passage that you can point to that says you're born a homosexual. Nothing that says God has set you up to fail. Now, that's popular to say because then that makes it God's fault that you're homosexual, not your fault. But there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that Scripture is the authority. If not, something has to be your authority. What is it? And so something has to be our authority. There's nothing that indicates from your designer or your maker that indicates that you're born that way. Second of all, science has not proven you're born gay. There are a lot of attempts, uh, attempts at that. I won't go into all of them. There are a lot of them, the Human Genome Project. There are several that are trying to find the gay gene, the DNA proof. They haven't found it. They're trying. One company conducted samples on 2.5% and declared, we found it. When it was not definitive, and they left 97.5% untested, uh, one scientist came up and said, where would you ever in science declare something true when you've untested 97.5% of it? They've not found it. And another thought, just because something may feel natural to you doesn't make it moral, does it? For example, if a person was, felt like they were born a thief and being true to who they are, does that make it moral? Question number four. Do homosexuals automatically go to hell? Do homosexuals automatically go to hell? I've heard a lot of believers say yes. I've heard a lot of Christians say, 
there's something different about the sin of homosexuality that's unlike all other sins, and if you commit it, you are going directly to hell automatically. I've heard, I've heard a lot of believers say that. I don't believe that. I, I, don't, I do not believe Scripture teaches that. I do not believe the sin of homosexuality is different than any other sin. All persons, homosexual or not, will die and go to hell if they do not receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. We must have our sins atoned, homosexual or not. Your sin, my sin, grave against God, they must be atoned. So homosexuality is not a heaven-hell issue All sin is a heaven-hell issue. And you must trust Christ as Savior or you don't go to heaven. Question number five. How should believers respond to homosexuals? How do we respond? I believe we respond the same way Jesus responded How did he respond? What did we talk about in February? Grace and truth. Extending grace, loving the person, not condoning the action. Love the person without condoning what Scripture teaches is true. You've heard the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin. And I totally agree with that. By the way, homosexuals, hate that phrase. Oh my goodness, they hate it with a passion. I've used that phrase with them before, and they say, don't, I hate that. But it's true. Love the person. But we don't love the action. And Jesus was a master at that. Folks, there is no place for violence toward homosexuals. None. There is no place for avoidance of homosexuals. There's no place for anger toward homosexuals. No place for hatred. No place for insults. No place for mistreatment. No place for discrimination against homosexuals. No place for name-calling. Jesus would never do that. He would love them. But he would be very pointed. Their action is wrong. So we are called to do what Jesus did and would do today. Question number six. Is there hope? Absolutely. God never leaves his people without hope. He is constantly delivering people who've turned away from homosexuality and turned to Him. You read testimony after testimony. You hear those testimonies. God does that. There's hope. And by the way, you are more than just your sexuality. It is a shame that so many human rights groups define themselves by their sexuality. You're more than that. Those who insist on advocating rights 
based on behavior, they are insulting humanity. Because you are more than your sexuality. Don't reduce yourself to, oh, I'm homosexual, or I'm, I'm gay, or I'm straight. You're more than that. You're created in the image of God. You're more than that. Don't just reduce yourself to that. Is there hope? Yes. Turn to Jesus. Absolutely. One more thought. A couple of years ago, I, I, several years ago, I, I bought a 2015 Ford Expedition. Whenever I bought it, they gave me an owner's manual. I took a picture of it this week. On the left is my owner's manual of my Ford Expedition. The, the manual was given to me by the manufacturer of the vehicle so I would know the best way the vehicle functions. On page 184 on the right, fueling and refueling, about three-fourths of the way down, I don't know if you can read it or not, it says in bold letters, use only unleaded gasoline. What if... What if I was reading through that and I went, what? Only unleaded gasoline? Boy, that's pretty restrictive. Have you seen the price of gasoline? $2.71 a gallon? Well, I can get water for 88 cents a gallon. I'm going to put water in it. Unleaded gasoline may work for you. It doesn't work for me. I want an alternative fuel. Because unleaded does not work for me. Pastor, you can't do that. The vehicle is not designed to operate that way. Well, let me tell you something. My owner's manual is incorrect. It's out of date. It's trying to keep me from being free and loving that Ford Expedition. It's trying to hinder me. It's what it's trying to get unleaded gasoline only. You get the point? Silly, I know. But this is what people have done with homosexuality. They don't believe the maker and the designer of their body has given them a reliable source. They think their owner manual's wrong as to how to best live their life. So they tried an alternative lifestyle. But when you follow the manual of your designer, in all areas of life, you live life to the fullest in fellowship with Him. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank You for Your Word today. God, we don't hate anybody. We don't fear anyone. Lord, just because we have disagreed with views today does not mean we hate them. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to have grace and truth, be full of compassion, love, yet never compromise truth. So, Father, I pray during this invitation, whatever decision, I don't, I don't know what they are, but you do, and whatever decision needs to be made today will be made publicly or privately for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.